0: 5th grade or, or thereabouts, we uh, have a classes for them in the back there. Brother Jeremy and his wife Esther uh, teach that and uh, on their level. So you are uh, dismissed at this time. The rest of you, if you would, go to Luke uh, chapter number 2. Luke 2. There, uh, after years in the ministry... You know, Christmas time comes around and there and, uh, seems to be a limited amount of messages you can get out of one passage, amen? But we're going to look at it this morning, Luke chapter 2, and uh, hopefully learn something together from his word. It was an 80-year-old woman recently was married to her fourth husband. A reporter was talking to her and questioned the occupation of her new husband. She said that he owned a funeral home. He was a mortician. So, curious about some of the other husbands that she had had, uh, the reporter asked about their occupations, and she stated that her first husband was a banker, her second husband was a circus master, and her third was a preacher, and of course now married to a mortician. We had a banker, a circus master, a preacher, and now a mortician puzzled the reporter a little bit. He said, none of these people have anything in common, he said. "Uh, Why did you marry such a different array of uh, professions, men in different professions? She said, well, I married the first one. I married number one for money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. All right. That had nothing to do with the message, all right? I just thought it was hilarious when I read that, all right? I think that if we were to categorize the past year, especially the past 18 months, we'd have to use the word fear. Uh, uh, We're surrounded by it. And I think uh, many places are even trying to promote it, different news outlets and such. Uh, We have it all around us. It can be represented in the mask. It can be represented in our willingness to alter our lifestyle. Chicago, uh, Chapman, I'm sorry, Chapman University did a Survey of American fears of 2020 and 2021. The question they asked was, What are you very afraid of? And this is interesting, the answers might not even have hit the radar. Uh, three years ago, 80% said corrupt government officials, 59% people I love dying, 57% widespread civil unrest, 52% cyber terrorism. biological warfare. Now, there were more, but what strikes me is that largely these are, many of these are new fears, things that have just come into our conscious the past few years. Now, there's no question that people are fearful. It is a time in which we live. That brings us to Christmas. Christmas is a very, Christmas season, I would say, is very good at arousing those uh, warm, sentimental, cozy feelings in us. Uh, especially when we turn on the television and watch those brilliantly composed Hallmark movies, amen? I mean, unique stories, every one of them, you know? Just none of them are anything like the others. And uh, so we have those type of movies, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, a fat guy breaking and entering your home. I've never gotten how that is uh, comforting at Christmas. But it's the season for cozy feelings. Now the passage we're about to read is a part of that nostalgia. Let's open uh, our Bibles here. You've got them open hopefully to Luke chapter 2. Look at number 8, verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. For behold, Father, I pray you'd help us now in the next few minutes we have here together. We would learn something from your word that would be a help to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you hear a verse, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, what do you think of? I know when I hear that verse, maybe it's the years and years of little children in grungy bathrobes and bad costumes doing Christmas pageants. And that's, a, that's something we've most of us have been a part of and, and enjoy. We'll do something along that line, even ourselves this year, uh, for our church. Maybe you think of Linus in a Christmas program. Uh, remember, uh, what, or, or Charlie Brown Christmas, I think it was called, where uh, Linus, uh, Charlie Brown, what even does Christmas, uh, what even is it all about? And Linus says, I'll tell you what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown. And he walks out on stage with his little blanket, lights please. And he proceeds to quote the passage we just read. Maybe that's what you think of when you read this passage. Yet we may be missing the real picture of this text. You see, this is not a soothing passage at all. Uh, This is a passage about terror. It's a passage about fear. In verse 8, we see the shepherds were in the dark and they were completely calm and peaceful. Shepherds abiding in the field, it says. As soon as God's light shines down on them, they are terrified. When they're in the dark, they're all right. But when they get into God's light, they're terrified. The Bible here says that they were sore afraid. Literally, the text does something that is actually pretty common for the ancient language to make a point. It doubles a word. In the original, sore afraid comes from uh, the words phobia phobos. It uses the word fear Uh, twice. Magus is great, splendid, a grand scale. Phobia, to put to flight by terrifying, to be struck with fear. Phobos, to be struck with terror. So literally, it says, when the glory of the Lord shone round about them, they feared with a great fear. They were terrified, quaking, frozen in place, blood ran cold, petrified when they saw this light. What we have here really is one of the main themes uh, from your Bible. It's a long ways from the wonderful warm feelings of nostalgia when we think of Linus reading this passage. Uh, One of those themes of the Bible is that men and women love darkness, but the light of God terrifies them. The glory light of Christmas is not soothing, at least not to these guys. The Shepherds certainly didn't think so. They aren't having gooey feelings about this time when this light shines down on them. The glory light of Christmas is shocking. It's terrifying. Now the angel, of course, knows that. That's why the first words out of his mouth are what? Fear not. Because he knows they're afraid. Uh, He says, fear not, for behold. The angel is doing what he's doing here is responding to their condition. He's saying, fear not, and there's a reason to fear not. For behold, or look at this. Look at what? Well, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That word good tidings is an interesting one, or the phrase, good tidings. Uh, the original word is translated into the word gospel 22 times in the New Testament. That's what the gospel is, It's good news, It's good tidings. And so what the angel is essentially saying here is, I know you're afraid. All human beings are afraid when the glory light of God's truth shines on them. But you don't have to be afraid because behold what I'm about to tell you. If you could behold the truth of the gospel of joy. The angel is saying you don't have to be afraid if you grip, get a grip on the message of Christmas. Now the Christmas passage here shows us that human beings live in fear. We all live in fear to some extent. It's when we get close to God that that fear becomes revealed. Uh, it's always there. Your life, you could say, is like a, like a big long bridge that has a lot of weaknesses and stress fractures. And first looking at it, you might not think so, but when a great weight crosses over that bridge, all of a sudden these stress, stress factors and cracks and fissures and weaknesses show themselves. In the light of a great trial or extreme closeness to God, our fear is revealed. Now, the message of Christmas is if you behold what the angels say to behold, you can be done with fear. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's what he says. Let me be even more direct here this morning. If you're in fear of anything, you're not beholding. The Bible says, fear not, for behold. There it is. The choice there is clear. Fear not, for behold, they are mutually exclusive from one another. If you're afraid, you're not beholding. If you're beholding, you're not afraid. These two things are mutually exclusive. Beholding what? That's what I want to answer in this morning's message. Christmas is the end of fear. It's what we see in our passage today. I want to take a look at the passage and see what the message was here exactly. First of all, in verses 8 through 9, we see that, uh, what we've said several times already, we've got to recognize the fact that human beings live in fear. Uh, the shepherds are just pictures of the way that we all are. As soon as they get out of the darkness, the, into the light, they're scared. Now let me ask this question. What might have helped the shepherds that night? What if they had went to Bible college? Would that have helped them? What if they had come to Bible Baptist Church and went through our discipleship program? Would that have helped the shepherds? Ah, we studied about this. We know what this is. This is what you call a theophany, when God shows himself. We understand what this is. Everybody calm down. It makes perfect sense. There's no reason to be afraid. I don't think so. Because their problem is more fundamental than it is intellectual. This incident here is actually an echo of another incident we find out uh, in our Bibles way back in Genesis. It's the history of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first human beings created. We know that uh, from our Bible. The Bible says that while they were in the garden before they sinned, they walked in the cool of the day. They walked with God. They spent time in the presence of God. They were, had the glory of God with them there. They communed with Him. They had that relationship. In fact, they loved the glory of God. And one day we're told that They decided to be their own masters. Uh, They decided to eat the forbidden fruit. We don't know exactly what that forbidden fruit is. I've always thought it was persimmons because they're nasty. Uh, But they decided to eat the forbidden fruit. And uh, Eve did it first. Uh, We like to pick on the woman because she ate the fruit first. But the Bible says that she gave to Adam with her, which means I believe he was standing right there watching what was going on listen friend, as a man, we are to be the spiritual leaders in our home, amen? We ought to be leading that, and and, uh, the Bible calls the woman the weaker vessel, and he should not have allowed that serpent to talk to his wife at all. He should have kicked that serpent into the next county, amen? But he didn't, and he stood there, and they made the choice to eat of that forbidden fruit, be their own masters, make their own rules. On that day, instantly, everything changed. And so now, Uh, that day when the glory of God came down, they did not meet him with joy this time. The Bible says that they hid. They ran and they jumped into the bushes. And when God called Adam, you know the story, he says, Adam, where art thou? Adam was hiding and finally he says, I'm here. And he says, I hid myself. And the Lord said, why did you hide yourself? He says, I was, that's interesting, afraid afraid. He was full of fear from someone who they've never feared before, never been afraid of God before. They loved spending time with him. But Adam here, he knows that he's naked now. He feels vulnerable. He hides himself. And he and Eve, they wrap themselves with some leaves to try to cover uh, their nakedness. And it has been so ever since. The Bible says that we are all ruled by fear. Now, what is fear. Fear is doing just what Adam did. It's hiding. It's wrapping ourselves into precarious things of life that we think will give us security. That's what we do in our fear. You withdraw like the turtle that gets in his shell uh, to try to protect himself so they feel safe. What things does the Bible says that we uh, wrap ourselves in? Well, really, we try to wrap ourselves in anything but God until we come to him anything but God that makes us feel safe. We say I'm safe because I have a good job. I'm safe because I have a lot of friends. I'm safe because I have a great family. I'm safe because I have talent or I have money. The reason that we live in fear, though, is that even though we tell ourselves that the things that we're wrapping ourselves into, like those that I just read, these bushes, as it were, that we're hiding ourselves behind and leaves we're wrapping ourselves into, even though we tell ourselves that these things will keep us safe, these things will bring fulfillment, the problem is we know they'll do no such thing. Fundamentally, we know how uncertain these things are. (coughs) Jobs may not be there forever. We have people in our church right now that that, uh, have worked for years uh, one person 16 years at a company and, and uh, earn, earned many merits and did great, and everybody is happy with them about to lose their job because they don't want to get jabbed. Jobs aren't forever, are they? Jobs can be lost. Uh, we also understand that family members may die, or maybe your family will turn against you for some reason or another. Friends might see through us and see what we're really like. Friends really are not uh, completely dependable. Talents will fade and money fails. One person says money talks. Yes, money does talk. Sometimes it says goodbye. Amen. That's one thing money says often. And so those things will not, they will not fulfill us. They will not keep us safe. The things that we wrap ourselves into to give us a sense of safety, we really know how precarious they are. So we don't like anyone to come along and point that out to us. In fact, when the truth of God's word shines on that, we're filled with fear. We know they're precarious. We know, listen friend, if you're here today and you are putting your hopes of heaven into your good works, you know fundamentally you can't be good enough to get to heaven. The Bible says, for there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all failed God. None of us are, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we can't reach it by ourselves because we're not good enough to do so. And so we try to tell ourselves, in fact, we often end up lying to ourselves. And this means we're filled with anxiety. That's why when the light of God's word shines in and shows us the futility of those things, it fills us with fear. The Bible tells us, these kinds of fears take different forms. There's a fear of falseness. What if somebody looks inside and sees what you really are like? Some of us are afraid to get close to people because if they knew what I was really like, then they wouldn't have anything to do with me anymore. The fear of rejection. There's a fear of failure. What if I try to live for God and fail? Better to have never tried at all. There's a fear of the future. What what will tomorrow bring? In fact, Perhaps one of the biggest uncertainties we face today is the fear of the future. No one can know what the future is going to bring. All the way back in 1913, when the first time that federal income tax was being discussed in the Senate, one of the senators said this, and I quote, If we allow this 1% tax, that's the foot in the door. At some future date, income tax could rise to 5%. He turned out to be more right than he knew. But there's been a lot of bad predictions throughout the history of our country. In fact, uh, I'll give you a few here. Sir Alan Sugar in 2005 said next Christmas the iPod will be dead, finished, gone, for foot. Daryl Zanuck in 1946 says TV won't last Because people will soon get tired of staring at a box every night. Uh, The Boeing engineer in 1933 that helped design the 10-seater Boeing. After the 10-seater Boeing's maiden flight, he says, there will never be a bigger plane built than the 10-seater. Bill Gates in 1981 said, nobody will ever need more than 640 kilobytes of memory on their personal computer. 640 kilobytes. Just to give you a a comparison, mine has 250 million kilobytes and that's not even that much uh, in our computers today. The truth is we don't know the future. We don't know what the future is going to bring and not knowing what's going to happen in your life, whether it's good or bad, can be a source of anxiety for us and it can produce fear. Second Timothy chapter three verse one: "This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. In a time like today, a time of government overreach and a time of economic instability, it can cause us to be fearful in these different, uh, different and scary times. And yet we must live our life. We've got to pay our bills. We've got to take care of our family. We have to uh, raise our kids we got to serve the Lord in the middle of all of it. The truth of the matter is when we worry about the future, it hinders those duties, other things that we ought to be doing. Worry is fear's indulgence. Worry receives interest on trouble before it ever comes. Worry uh, drains the energy that God gives us to face our daily problems and fulfill our responsibilities. Worry is a sinful waste. Worry, somebody said, is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do. It never takes you anywhere. A uh, Worry is sin. In America, worry has become part of our national culture. Many tombstones could read with the epitaph, hurried, harried, worried, and buried. That's pretty much the life of many people today. Let me ask you today, friend, does the fear of the future hold you in bondage? All of our fears, how do we overcome them? Uh, The fear of an unknown tomorrow. They gnaw at us, but the Bible shows us that at the root, these things are symptomatic. At the essence of fear is a mistrust in God himself. Uh, Let's say, uh, our fears come from being afraid of God or not trusting that he's in control. Now the bottom line is that God is light. And when we get near to him, He shatters our illusion of security. That the little cocoons of safety that we've built around ourselves. Things that won't last. Money, position, fame, power. Whatever it is that we wrap ourselves into. Into our security. And then the light of God's word shows us how weak those things are that we're building our lives on. Now if you're... We could apply that to salvation. If you are depending on church membership or baby baptism to take you to heaven one day, see, God's word will shatter that illusion when it shows you that not by works of righteousness which we have done, it is according to his mercy that he has saved us. And so that's why we fear. That's why a lot of people fear uh, the word of God and the light of God's word. We're forced to be truthful when we get near the one that is true. God always shows us the futility of life without Him. When Isaiah got close to God, uh, got near to God, got a good view of God, he said in chapter 6, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. When Job got near God, he said, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes, Job 42, 6. When Peter got near Jesus and saw who he was, he said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. That's what always happens when we get a good dose of God in our life. It traumatizes us. We feel weak, and all of a sudden we feel like we are not as much in control as we thought we were. That's why the shepherds, the light of God shone on them. They were terrified. So what's the answer? It's found in the instruction of this angel. He says, fear not, for behold. Behold what? I promise you, in that, there is a solution for our fear. If we get a hold of this, we don't have to fear at all anymore. He says, "For behold, or, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What are the tidings he's talking about? For unto you is born this day in the city of David... A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. If you're afraid this morning, please, friend, get a hold of this here. First of all, he says, here is born a Savior. Someone has come who is a Savior. Not only that, though, He's a born Savior. That means He's a Savior who became a man. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that even though Jesus Christ was equal with the Father, He did not hold Himself, though, the Bible says that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, Philippians 2.7. Now why did he have to come down? Why did he become man? Because he had to live a perfect life, die in our place, take the punishment that we deserve so that if we receive him as our Savior, all of his righteousness is imputed to us who we have, we, we don't have any righteousness. You see, not anything that pleases God. The Bible says uh, that even our righteousness are as filthy rags to the Lord himself because of his holiness. But Jesus Christ's righteousness can be imputed on us. What a blessing. Uh, He accepts us then for his sake. Hear this then, friend. You who are fearful, if you're afraid of failure, get a hold of this if you're afraid of the future. As you look at the uncertainty of life, the Bible gives us some things that we can hold on to that will help us. He says God is already in front of you. That's one thing we need to understand. Because He is the God who goes before His people. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Aren't it a blessing, friend, that you can know that wherever you have to tread in life, uh, sometimes through some dark valleys, sometimes through some difficulties, that the Lord's been there before you, scoping it out, making sure that you can go through it. What a blessing. Secondly, we see that God promises to be with you no matter what happens. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness." And thirdly, if you know the Lord, the worst thing that can happen to you, if you know the Lord, is you can go to heaven. That's the worst thing that can happen, which is also, incidentally, the best thing. I I remember a story years ago of, I think it was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday used to, he was kind of a crazy preacher, and he used to go into uh, bars, jump up on the pool table, and just start preaching at people. And uh, naturally, it it won him a lot of enemies, And one day he was preaching on a pool table in a bar and a man pulled out a shotgun, pointed it right at Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday didn't even really pause in his preaching and says, what do you think you're going to do? Threaten me with heaven? That's the worst that can happen to us, amen? What a blessing that is for us to understand that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. To all of our fears then, The Lord simply says, fear not, for behold. Hey, will things get worse? Fear not, for behold. Will I lose my health? Fear not, for behold. Will I keep my job? Fear not, for behold. Will my freedoms disappear? Fear not, for behold. What's going to happen to my family? Fear not, for behold. Will I face death this year? Fear not, for behold. Hey, any of these things may happen to us. But the word of the Lord remains, Fear not, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Listen, friend, we have some great promises in the word of God that can carry us through the difficult times. Amen? The message I have for you this Christmas is fear not, for behold. Listen, God has already looked ahead and he has seen. What has he seen? He he sees things you haven't seen yet. He's looked ahead at the, the path of your life, and he knows things that are coming that you aren't even aware of yet. You think things are bad now? You haven't seen anything yet. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. It might be bad. What well, We know for certain that there are going to be difficulties. We know there's going to be struggles. We know there's going to be trials. It isn't all uh, peaches and cream to live through this life on earth. And many of us still have a few years to live. Do you realize there's all, things that can, all kinds of things that can happen to us in this sin-cursed world? Can I tell you, friend, then get your eyes off the world and get it on to someone who can control all. Fear not, for behold. That's the plea from the passage today. As C.S. Lewis used to say, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Fear not, for behold. The angel told these petrified shepherds, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What does that mean? What does the glory of God mean here? <clears throat> the glory of God, we could say, is His overness or His aboveness or His beyondness of us. Unreachable by us. Sometimes uh, that something which is glorious is beyond the bounds of our capacity to take it in. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. They go together. If you want peace on earth, You have to give glory to God in heaven. Uh, By the way, we are giving far too much glory. And by the word glory, I mean weight and significance. We're giving far too much glory to the Fauci's of the world today. Amen? We need to start giving that glory to the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Give Him the glory. Instead of fearing God, uh, that's what we ought to be doing. Fearing God, not man. Fear not, for behold. Jesus said in Matthew 10 28 and fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell listen I can tell you friend I'm not afraid of a vaccine that can't kill my soul but I do need to be fearful of the one who is in control of everything amen that's what we need to get back to Uh, all throughout the book of Proverbs, the beginning of knowledge, uh, the beginning of wisdom, all of this is always the fear of God. We need to get back to that. Let me ask you a practical question this morning. Do you have peace? I'm not talking about the pleasant diversion that we'll have for the next couple of weeks and then the first of January sets in and we get all depressed again. I'm talking about do you have real peace in your life? If you don't, then you are failing to glorify Him as Lord. It is as simple as that. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. If you want to have peace on earth, you have to give Him glory in heaven. We have a great future today, friend, because we have a great God that we serve. Let us place our hands in the hand of Almighty God who knows what the future holds. It will not be without troubles. It will not be without heartache and difficulty and opposition. We'll have our share of hard times, but through it all, God's promise is, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We need to trust Him in that. Let us go out into an unknown future with the confidence knowing that God is with us and goes before us. Fear of the Lord in our life leads to us not fearing man around us or fearing the future if we fear him. The poet Elizabeth Cheney wrote a cute poem. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. He does care for you and me. Can I encourage you today? Fear not, for behold, behold. Overcome your fear today, putting your faith in the one who has it all in his hand. Fear not, for behold. That's the message this Christmas. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.